As a non-commercial radio station... This is Colin from Cannot Justify. You're rocking Attitude Era Live with Icon, Granny Hawkster, and Big Swing. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Monday night, and we are here, as always, with everybody that we all know, all our friends, all our relatives, everybody is listening, and including, uh, Granny, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Glad to be and Matthias, here on 89.1 Ken's FM. And Matthias, how are you? Uh, hanging in after a long week of work and preparing for an upcoming match here this coming weekend. I'm ready to have another great show on 89.1 Ken's FM. All right, and uh, we do have a big list of guests here tonight, as always, and uh, let's just go over those real quick here. We have the return of Jack O'Halloran is going to join us. We have Barry Livingston from My Three Sons is going to be a great little little tidbit, and we also have Tony Davis, a former football great from the Cincinnati Bengals, is going to join us tonight and we're going to have a fun time. So let's uh, get right into this. Uh, first off, let's talk a little Matthias. Now, you have a big match coming up this weekend. Am I right? Yes, sir. Uh, for BZW and Wapiton, we make our debut up there in Wapiton, North Dakota. And myself, I have an upcoming open challenge to anybody and everyone that wants to climb into the ring with me and uh, get their butt whooped for a little while. And uh, next week, you'll have to give us a full report on that. 100%. And, uh, and we know that you'll be victorious because anybody that's been a guest on this show or a host on this show has never lost any match after they've been on there. So uh, I lost track after we were like 1,001, so it's it's kind of amazing. <laughs> uh, and, uh, Granny, how are you? I'm doing well. Just ready for another great show on 89.1 Kins FM tonight. And uh, you're also uh, you also have some uh, interesting news coming up. Uh, we talked about this a little bit before. Uh, you are going. It looks like you're going to be going to WrestleMania. Is that correct? Yes, sir. We leave the 30th of March, and um, Granny's on countdown because I really need this vacation. And uh, have you ever been to WrestleMania before? Nope. This is going to be our very first one. Our friend that's taking us, I mean, he's been to several himself, but this is going to be mine and Anthony and David's very first WrestleMania. And uh, you'll have to, uh, I know after you get back, you'll have a lot of stories uh, to share with us. So, uh, well, I hope be nice. so. <laughs> I hope now, so. Now, one I don't thing know. is... I don't know how how uh, how I'll be Monday night because we'll actually be coming back from Texas that morning on the 4th of April. So I'm going to do my best to be there on the show Monday night, but I'll just have to wait and see how I am when I get back into town. So, Well, you know, if uh, even if you're a little late, uh... One of our guests, I'm sure you probably won't have any questions for uh, uh, Lolly Tops and Furby the Clown, 
<laughs> uh, just to let everybody's whistle what we got coming up in the next few weeks. And uh, also, we're going to have uh, Deb Gardner that's going to be returning to our show. She's a good friend of the show. She's a guardian angel of mine. And uh, she's going to be giving some giveaways, uh, some uh, I guess some outfits and stuff she wore in her latest photo shoot. So uh, we're going to be talking to her about that. And also tonight, uh, originally we were not going to have a show because I was going to be in Sioux Falls in the Summer League Tournament. However, that uh, changed because... Well, uh, I couldn't get off of work, and uh, and I thought it would be more entertaining to uh, be here with the fans. So, uh, so if you hear me get updates and excited during out the show, right now NDSU is leading 37-25 and, uh, against Oral Roberts. So uh, if I get excited towards the end of the show, it's because uh, NDSU is going to be playing the winner uh uh, next round, which would be South Dakota State, and that'll be a barn burner as always. But we're waiting for our first guest here, and uh, he'll be calling in here shortly. Now, for those of you who are listening for the first time, or those of you who have been listening for a long time, we're on 89.1 Ken's FM. We want to thank uh, the probably the coolest radio guy in history that I know, Ken Bartz. Uh, he owns the radio station, and he graciously allows us to come on the air every Monday night and uh, opens up uh, his home to us and opens up his radio station to us. And uh, we can't thank him enough. And eventually we're going to have him as a guest on our show. Uh, and uh, he can tell us all about, uh, you know, anywhere from fixing a radio to running a radio station to... Well, just about anything. I mean, he's uh, well diverse in everything that he uh, has talked about. So uh, we'll let him talk, uh, share his knowledge with us uh, eventually. And uh, just so everybody knows, the Fourth of July is a Monday night, and we probably uh, we are not going to be on the air that night. So just to let everybody know, what we got coming up is a whole lot of guests, and I'm not going to reveal all those because. We want to get traffic to our web pages. And speaking of web pages, if you go to our Facebook page, Attitude Era Monday Live Monday, like that. You go to Ken's page, 89.1 Ken's FM, like that. Do a $10 a month donation to Ken's FM. Uh, we will automatically get you qualified to win an autograph from a past guest, current guest, or future guest, whichever we decide. And you have to do those three things to get qualified. And it uh, looks like the end of July is when our giveaway show will be. And uh, so everybody, mark your calendar uh, for that episode, and I'll let you know what episode it will be. It will be episode on July 25th is when our giveaway show will be. So you have, um, so if you want to get entered, get entered quickly because <clears throat> slots will fill up. Now, let's talk a little bit about uh, AEW and WWE real quick before our first guest calls in. Now, uh, WWE has uh, been obviously releasing a lot of, uh, lot of talent. They, re- they just recently released Cesaro, and, um, and a couple weeks ago, well, I don't know, about a month ago now, they released Bray Wyatt. Now, here's the thing about AEW. They always talk about having a big surprise, a big reveal, someone coming up. But here's the deal. How many times can they do that 
before fans will get tired of it. Uh, what do you think, Granny? Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, they let these people go, and then they bring them back, and then they let them go again. I mean, I don't know how much longer. I mean, this is going to continue. I mean, you know, we've seen so many WWE stars end up on AEW here lately, and we've seen AEW stars leave and possibly going back to WWE. So, I don't know. I can't figure them well, out. You know, I, I don't even I don't even try to want to guess, figure them out. So, you know the one thing I'm waiting for, uh the debut uh, for AEW to bring out Matthias. What do you think? Oh yeah, I'm definitely ready to get in there. I mean, because I always mention to Granny, because you always say you're going to ask the, the that one question you ask every pro wrestler, and you have yet to ask your co-host that question. So I will answer it for you now. But first, I do want to say um, I, I don't think the fans will honestly ever get tired of these surprise entrances from WWE because if they keep bringing in people the way they have been, like they brought in – CM Punk in quite an epic way going back to Chicago and people absolutely love it and they continue to support him now. They just brought in Eric Redbeard, uh, who formerly known of Eric Rowan. They brought him to join a tag team. I don't know how big that's going to go, but with Cody Rhodes leaving and them le- and then WWE firing Cesaro, Cody Rhodes going back to WWE, I don't know if it's going to be a constant recycling of wrestlers, but you never know. I mean, AEW is getting all the big names. They're they're going up, up, up. WWE's kind of been sinking ever since they let a lot of people go. Say, so, yeah, I guess you never know what the future holds until the fans take control. Well, eventually I'm hoping that they're going to – well, I guess they really can't fire Triple H. But, you know, ever since uh, he got involved in creative, um, that's where I think the downfall has started. Uh you know, and they I don't think that, that, well, they really can't fire him because he's married to the boss's daughter. That means they'd probably have to fire her, too. And, they, you know, they recently re, uh, released Shane McMahon. Yep. So I don't know. I'm uh, I'm torn with this whole thing. And uh, I, I, to be honest, I've never had like Triple H. And uh, I always thought, uh, you know, they called it the McMahon-Helmsley era. I called it the McMahon-Helmsley error, and, uh, you know. Because when, cause when you mentioned that they, they, let Bray Wyatt, they let Bray Wyatt go a while back, and um, I forgot even to mention, when Brody Lee came into uh, AEW, that was one of the biggest things ever, because when they had Brody Lee take on Cody Rhodes for the TNT title, it was basically like uh, Vader versus Enoki back in Japan, and uh, so it was it was just killer for all of them. And then they brought in, of course, they said Eric Redbeard. They had Jericho come in. They had Dan- Brian Danielson come in in an epic way. They had so many great wrestlers from the WWE come into AEW. And with Bray Wyatt getting released, I see him going there eventually because he was one of the bigger names for WWE, especially <clears> with <throat> The Fiend. But they com- they completely killed that, in my opinion. They completely called or they completely killed Bray Wyatt in that way. But, Granny, uh, who else do you possibly see going from WWE to AEW? Well, you know, and, that's uh, really hard to yeah. say at this point in time. I mean, I don't know. You know, I 
It could be just anybody, really. Because I was going to, because um, I'm trying to think, I don't know who they would actually release next. It's just, it's just unfortunate they had to let, they they ruin people and then they'll release them and then they go on to possibly AEW or anything else like uh, Braun Strowman, the guy that used to be Braun Strowman, Adam Shear, he went back to uh, to the indie leagues or the indie scene and he's also into bodybuilding now and I think he's pretty happy with not being there anymore and uh, Keith Lee just uh, got released with WWE and now he's in AEW and there's just so many big names going to AEW that. I think maybe their budget will fill up, and they'll be like, hey, we can't collect anymore. But it's not like any WWE superstar that gets released they're going to pick up. It's the specific ones that they think might have a good story build up in AEW. But I guess we'll see what happens. And here's the other interesting thing that I wanted to bring up. With, you know, CM Punk, I actually uh, saw some old footage of CM Punk. You know, he is from Chicago. Yeah. Uh, Did you know back in the day – he made an appearance on the Bozo Show when he was a kid. Yep. And uh, <laughs> he was actually an entertainer back then. Uh, I, I just uh, got done talking to our guest. He's supposed to be calling in here shortly. So hopefully uh, he'll do that. But also, did you know, uh, I don't know, if I think this was Rosie O'Donnell. She had a talk show back then. I don't know if you've uh, if you ever heard of MJF, who's in AEW. He actually sang on her show one time, and he actually could sing as a kid. Now he's one of the most hated professional wrestlers out there. Really? I yeah, did, I, I, did I saw that, that it was uh, it was on TikTok and it was a promo or it was a video that said, "How could you go from this?" And it's got young MJF like singing, uh, "You Are My Sunshine" like really well, and it goes to this, and it's got MJF being a heel in the rest in just in AEW and stuff like that, and it's like wow. But if I ever could go to AEW, I would 100 percent go into a heel-on-heel battle with MJF because he is an absolute killer heel. And, yeah, I think him and I would do would do some good things in there. And you do know the rheumatized, right? Now, now you you would uh, still like to go into uh, AEW, the WWE, right? I mean, with, with the current status of professional wrestling, I like the indie scene right now where I'm at. But if I were to get offered a... Um, a contract with either WWE or AEW, I mean, it'd be kind of, uh, I'd have to look at a couple of things, but I mean, in my current status, I'm single, I got nothing else going, so if I if I ever get offered that, I would immediately jump on it, and then of course, as you answer the question, would you big time us? Absolutely not, because I was a host on this show, so of course, any time was needed to sign some autographs or, or come back on the show, I would never say no. All right, well, our next, our first guest is ready, so we're going to take a 30-second break, and we'll return with our first guest. Give us about 30 seconds. Ladies and gentlemen, the new clocks are here. The new clocks are here. Yes, for a limited time, you can get your very own 89.1 Ken's FM clock. For a $25 donation, you can get a classic analog round-faced clock with the 89.1 Ken's FM logo on the front. Just go to our website, www.kensfm.com, and under the More Merch tab, you will find the clocks along with numerous other new merch you can order. Get yours now while supplies last. We have these in limited quantity, so order now at www.kensfm.com. And, uh... Get a clock, because it's a cool clock. My uh, 
uh, my parents have the my clock, and uh, they're never, never going to give it back to me, so I might have to go ahead and buy another one. But right now, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, all the way from the planet Krypton, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the man that put Superman in his place. He is Jack O'Halloran. How you doing, guys? Good. Good. What's new, buddy? How are you? Welcome back. I'm doing the best I can, whatever they'll let me get away with. All right. Uh, does that include beating up Superman? <laughs> it was a great film. Well, you know, uh, we're, we're going to touch a little bit about that. Uh, you, uh, Jack was on uh, on our show here, uh, I think, about four or five weeks ago. And uh, I found I learned so much more about you. That's why we decided to uh, bring you back because we, we we're going to talk more about uh, boxing uh, this time than we are uh, uh, Superman. But uh, one thing I do want to ask you is uh, because you know you, you did boxing first and then you got involved in uh, uh, being in the movie uh, Superman. Uh, now, do you um, actually because first of that I role? Who did you play football for? I uh, when I was uh, I was drafted up to the Jets, but it was at a time when uh, when I was in the '60s, you couldn't play professional until your class graduated college, which I wish they still had that rule. So we played in a uh, like a semi-pro league, like a farm team. Uh, on the East Coast uh, that the Jets had until uh, my class graduated. Then I was ready to play with the Jets, and and I liked uh, a lot of friends of mine were down in Philly. So I said to you, I, I would like to get down and play with Philadelphia for years. So we always got a home here. But I went down to Philly, and they, Jerry Wallman had bought the team, and he hired a guy, Joe Q. Herrick, and I watched him trade a championship football team away in two months. And I said, Timmy Brown and I come out of the meeting one day, and we said, Kuharik, walk right by us. And I said, uh, you don't talk to people. And he said, well, and I said, you know what, um, take this team and stick it. And Timmy said, why are you at it? Trade me. And Ali had just won the title, and some people in Philadelphia, dear friends of mine, said, you know, uh, what do you think about this guy, Ali? I said, I could beat him. Next thing I know, I'm in the gym. I couldn't box amateur because I was already a professional. So I started That's out awesome. uh, six months later. Yeah. Uh, Jack O'Halloran's our guest here. We got we got about uh, twenty six minutes here with Jack. Now uh, you uh, in your boxing career uh, had a chance to go up against uh, some um, well, I, I I guess some big name fighters. Uh, who were they? Well, I beat uh, a lot of world-ranked fighters, and uh, me and I were signed four times, and uh, Frazier was supposed to fight me, but they ducked out of that one. Um, problem I had was that I, you know, when, when I started, I was like 16-0, and 0, and then I did one physical one time, and the guy said to me, uh, you're an acromegalic. And I said, what the hell is that? And he said, you have a tumor at the pituitary gland, and you shouldn't be fighting at all. And I said, yeah, right, okay. <laughs> and I just kept on going. And uh, they, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a disease that Andre the Giant had, but it, it, 
if your body's putting out 10% growth hormone, mine was putting out 150. So it fatigues you and, you know, it drains you, it causes depression. And the guy couldn't figure out how I ever got it, got up in my mind to get into the ring. But I, I had a lot of talent as a fighter. And when I was in good shape, um, I beat some pretty good fighters. So I beat Cleveland uh, uh... Williams, Terry Daniels, Manuel Ramos. Uh, <laughs> I beat some pretty good fighters. Alvin Blue Lewis. What? And uh, uh, what, what, you, what is your stats as in uh, height and weight? Six six, and when I fought, I was about between two thirty five and two fifty, depending and, on uh, now what I was up to. Now, now you're about between one eighty and two hundred, then. <laughs> about two eighty or two eighty five. <laughs> now, uh, I, I'm you know uh, being. Uh, being in the, uh, in the 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 Spider-Man movie, now do you uh, still get to uh, go to a lot of Comic Con? I'm sorry, Superman. I'm sorry, Superman. Uh, do you <laughs> get to go to a lot of Comic Cons? Yeah, I go to quite a few of them actually. Now, uh, I'm, I'm going to ask a couple more questions, and we'll then we'll do a roundtable. Uh, so, with all these Comic Cons, do you remember what uh, you thought when you were asked to go to your first one? Do I remember what I was asked? Well, when you were asked to go to your first one, what, what was your thought when you were asked to go to the fir- your first Comic-Con? Oh, I, I thought it was quite intriguing, you know. And, uh, I was looking forward to seeing how the people reacted. And I, it was, in fact, the, fir- the first Comic-Con I ever went to, people come up to me and said, my God, you can actually talk. <laughs> <laughs> I said... I said I should hope so, you know. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, that just struck me as funny. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny uh, myself, to tell you the truth. Uh, Jack O'Halloran is our guest here. We've got uh, 23 minutes. Uh, Grady, what do you have for our guest, Jack O'Halloran? Go ahead. Well, you know, it's just great to have you back on the show again with us tonight. And. You know, I I never realized you were into boxing. I don't watch a lot of boxing, but what was one of your most challenging boxing matches you were involved in? Oh, wow. Uh, I fought some pretty good fighters. Um, but I feel like, again, you know, I said, you know, when I, I – I remember when I took the Norton fight, Kenny Norton, in uh, San Diego, and, and uh, I was living in New Jersey, and, and um, I had a a background where I come from uh, in, in my life, uh, and I was involved in my father's business a little bit more than I should have been, and wasn't paying attention to. I wasn't. I was. We had some problems with the unions on the East Coast, and. We had a few indictments they were trying to get us, so I sat in my house for a while, and, and they called me on the phone. They said, do you want to fight Kenny Norton? And I said, Kenny, where? And they said, San Diego. And I said, uh, when? They said, next week. I said, send me a ticket. The guy said, you'll take the fight? I said, send me a ticket. I wanted to get out of Philadelphia, out of New Jersey, and it was a good place to go with San Diego. And I took the fight. I trained four days for the fight, and, and gave them a terrible licking, and they stole the decision because it was San Diego. 
and he was owned by <laughs> he was owned by two millionaire guys. And actually, in, in the ninth round, I could have sat on a stool and won the fight because it, it was a great fight. We, I mean, it was really a great fight. People were standing up on the chairs and they were screaming so loud that in the ninth round. He rang the bell three times. Nobody heard it. So much noise in the place. Wow. He finally separated us, and I was going back to my corner, and Kenny ran across the ring and hit me behind the head and drove me mm. into the corner post. And the commissioner jumped up and said, if you can't continue, you just won the fight on a foul. <laughs> I said, continue. I'm going to kill this clown. You can't. <laughs> Not realizing that I'm in San Diego, and it was uh, so... But I won the city. I, I, it was a great, great, great fight. So I stayed there, and uh, and I ripped off about five or six knockouts and fought Henry Clark for the city for the state title and beat Henry Clark, the California heavyweight champion. But in the meantime, Ali, Ali called me on the phone one day, and he said, uh, you got to do me a favor. And I said, yeah, I'll do you a favor. Sign a contract to fight me. And he said, yeah, no, no, we'll get to that. I said, well, what are you talking about? He said, my, you're fighting my brother, Rockman. I said, Brockman Ali is your brother? He said, yeah. He said, and you got to get him out of boxing because uh, just uh, get him out of boxing for me, will you please? And I, so, and I said, so well, I'm going to go in the gym. Huh? Uh, I didn't want to interrupt you. So you're like, okay, give me two rounds. I'll put him out of boxing. Well, I said, you know, I better go train a couple of days. So I and I fought him in the ninth round. I hit him. And I'm, he never fought again. He was he was out for like a half an hour. In fact, I I, I went back to the dressing room to make sure he was okay. And and he looked at me and he said, "My God, you hit hard." I said, "God, what do you know about God? You're a Muslim. What are you crazy? I'm gonna hit you off. I'm gonna hit you awful hard, man." But he was a good kid. He was a nice kid. Uh, so Muhammad and I had a contract. We had a deal to fight in San Diego, and uh, we signed the contract even, to, you know, and it was all being put together. And Bob Byron and Art Rifkin owned Norton. They went to Chicago with about 2 or $3 million and gave it to Herbert Muhammad, and uh, Norton fought Ali. Uh, Jack O'Hallon, I guess, here got about uh, 19 minutes. Now, uh, Jack, I have uh, uh, Matthias here. Uh, he uh, said that he'd like to uh, have a wrestling match with you. Uh, tell us about that, Matthias. Well, I don't know about that, considering um, his boxing <laughs> career and stuff like that. I mean, I could, I, I could try, but I don't know if I'll be able to take him 100%. But I mean, I'd give it a try. But um, welcome back to the show. I guess uh, my main, my main question for you. I don't know if I asked this the last time you were on, but. Let's just imagine you were you're back in your prime, and like today, and the people came up to you and said, "Hey, would you come back either for one more football season, one more big prize fight, or one more big movie? Uh, which one would you choose, and why?" Wow, that's good. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like the movie business a lot, but I thought it was in my prime. I mean, age-wise. Like anyway, like if you if you were ready to go for any three, which one would you pick over the other? Uh, with with who's fighting today? You mean? Like anybody? Like if if they were to say, "Hey, Jack, you want to come back for one big fight?" Let's say against like, let's say Tyson. Yeah, let's go, Mike Tyson. They said, "Hey, you and Mike oh, Tyson, okay. one big prize fight." 
fight Tyson in a heartbeat. Okay. So then, like, if they said, hey, come back for, let's say, one more football season or fight Mike Tyson one prize fight or go do, like, an Avenger movie, which one would you pick? See, that's, you get, you get, that's a hard question. You know, <laughs> uh, I would have loved to have fought Tyson. He was a little bit after me. I mean, he was uh, – and Mike is a nice kid. I mean, I knew Mike well. He uh, – he was, but he was very beatable. Anybody okay. could throw combinations, uh, could beat him. If you threw three, mm-hmm. four punches at a time, you could beat Mike. He couldn't get away from him. Uh, that's yeah. what happened and when I, he fought. He fought when he fought Buster yeah. Douglas, and Douglas was like a forty to one underdog. And, uh, wow. and he was in Vegas training, and I called my friend over there and I said, "What's that?" Because Douglas didn't like boxing. He did it because his father pushed him into it. When he signed to fight Tyson, he, he had a lot of natural talent. He went in the gym and he got he lost thirty pounds and he he got in great shape. And my friend said he's he's ready to fight Jack. I said bet the house on him, bet the house on this okay. kid. And he did and he beat him easily because he threw he threw combinations. And Tyson couldn't yeah. get away from that second third shot. Uh-huh. Uh, Jack O'Halloran's our guest here. We got the 16 minutes here. That's sort of been good, but I've probably done a movie. <laughs> okay. Like movie okay. Now, now to give you guys a little uh, background on his record, uh, Jack has got 34 wins, 17 knockouts, 17 decisions, 21 losses, eight knockouts, 13 decisions, two draws, and uh, the last uh, uh, last fight he had was against Howard K. O. S. Uh, Smith, uh, and I believe he cheated yeah. to get your title. And uh, your first well, match was you know, against Joe Pinto. I'll tell you a funny story. When I when I fought Howard Smith, they had uh, I was I was uh, incarcerated for an organized crime deal, which was bullshit. <laughs> Excuse my language. Uh, so I, I I only trained the day for the fight. They let me out to fight to to have the fight. I was in the San Diego jail, and they, they let me out to fight the fight. So it was a, I trained one day for the fight. It was was kind of not a, anyway. You know, it was just one of those things. But I don't make excuses for anything. You know, it was a Howard was a good fighter, and uh, just just a bad day. You know, you, you know what's what's interesting. You know, you mentioned uh, you you know you got arrested. Uh, and you, they let you out of jail. So uh, I guess you could say it was like a work release program or something. <laughs> no, they were. It was a wrong. They, it was, they, they, they couldn't. They couldn't charge me with anything. They were just holding me to, to try to get me to say some things, and I wouldn't say them. So, but they couldn't. They really had nothing to charge me with. So it was just. Uh, and that happened a lot because of where I came from and people I was around and stuff like that. So uh, your last your last fight was August sixteenth of nineteen seventy four. Uh, it, it looks like you did a lot of stuff in San Diego. Uh, you had a lot of matches in uh, you got to fight in Madison Square Garden, which is cool. A lot of Boston, Philadelphia. Uh, do you have a favorite of all those places? Oh, that you uh, yeah. Do you have any of all those places that you fought in? Uh, would you call one place your home away from home? Well, Boston was. I mean, I never lost a fight in Boston, and I it was. They sent me. I was undefeated, and I never lost a fight in Philly. Um, 
they uh, they sent me. I had I think I was like five and zero or six and zero or something, and um, I was living uh, at the Sheridan. Uh, when Warman bought the Eagles, he bought the Sheridan Hotel and they turned it into apartments. And, and I was living there with a couple of ball players, uh, Ray Rissmiller, who was an All American from Georgia, and Big uh, Gary Pettigrew, and. Uh, we had a like there was a club downstairs, and we all worked in the club, like get extra money and stuff like that. And there was a rhubarb that happened one night, and I took a half dozen people outside, and some bad things happened. And they figured it was time to get me out of the city before I was charged with something because I was owned by some very powerful people in Philadelphia. So they put me on a train and sent me to Boston. And I wow. had a lot of fights in Boston, and, and well, I never lost a fight in Boston either. And then I uh, I traveled all over the place. So I would tell you, I went to Cleveland, here, there, Europe. I fought in London several times. I uh, fought South Africa. Um, I fought, fought a lot of places, you know. So now before you before you got the, the uh, role in uh, Superman then, did uh, – um, did the director see you fight, or did you just, like, walk I, in? Uh... I had turned down. They they came to me in 1967, 68. They came to me to to do The Great White Hope with James Earl Jones. And uh, I turned it down. They, 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 they thought the deal was done, but I had just knocked out Manuel Ramos, who was ranked number two in the world, and I was looking at an Ali fight. And they wanted me to go to Spain for six months. And uh, Raymond Patriarca from Rhode Island wanted me off the streets. So he made a deal with Fox, uh, Eddie Foy. And they thought I was just going to go in and sign a contract and go to Spain for six months. And I said no. And uh, they were quite disappointed. And then when I got done fighting, they came to me. They, I, in fact, they offered me a couple pictures. I was going to do a picture with Steve McQueen. Uh, up in Boston. Oh, that would have been and, uh, awesome. Well, he, he, Steve was a good friend of mine, a good guy. And we took care of him when he came to Boston to do the Thomas Crown Affair. And I was undefeated. You know, I, I think I had like 14 or 15 fights at the time. And he um, he said, you know, you got to come to Hollywood, man. We became good friends. And he said, you got to come. I'll get a sad card and everything you got I said, man, I'm, under, I'm looking to fight for the title. Uh, I think I'll think about this movie business down the street sometime. And uh, then they, they offered me the great way to open. And then when I retired from boxing, they called me up. My agent, I had an agent. I did commercials down there when I was California heavyweight champion. And uh, she called me up and said, they want you to do a picture, Farewell, My Lovely, with Robert Mitchum. And I said, uh, you know, maybe it's about time. So I went to New York, and I met the director, and the director brought me out to California, and I did a screen test, and Robert Mitchum said, it's either him or I don't do the movie. So wow. it was great great having Mitchum as a mentor. He was he was like a father. He was he and I got on extremely well. And, and it, in that uh, movie, and Farrell, played Moose. Movie. I don't know if you ever seen Farewell, My Love. It was a, it was a great movie. Yes, I have seen Farewell. it. You played you played Moose Mal uh, uh Moose Malloy, Malloy actually. Yeah, yep. correct. 
And then uh, yeah, you then went I on did to King uh, Kong. And I, I loved you in King Kong, did, by the way. Yeah, we did King Kong, and, and then we did uh, March or Die, and we did. You know, we just I just kept working. You know, it was just. Uh, yeah, you uh, you had a yeah you had a string seventy five farewell my love seventy six King Kong seventy seven March or Die seventy eight Superman, and then seventy nine you took a break and then eighty you did the uh, the Baltimore Bullet Superman two, and then uh, we didn't get to see you until we saw you in Dragnet in eighty seven. Uh, uh, what um, uh, you were uh, so you you took some time off from uh, nineteen eighty eighty seven. Well, I had and, uh, wrote, you know I had written. I had written a couple of great scripts, and one of them, uh, we're, actually, we're getting ready to do it. It's been, I've owned it for 40 years. When I did, wrote it when I was doing King Kong. There was a great movie in the 30s called The Informer with Victor McLaughlin and John Ford. It won four Oscars. It's a classic Irish picture, and uh, it was a great book. So I took the book Liam O'Flaherty wrote, and I wrote another adaption of the book, which actually came out better than the Ford picture. And... Uh, and I, uh, I had it up to bat several times to do it. I just didn't like the deal, so I held on to it all these years. And we did um, the music. We, we we did the music that uh, was recorded by uh, Elton John. Uh, a song called "The Simple Man" that I wrote for the for the film. Uh, so we're going to wind up doing the picture. It's a it's a great 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 script, great film. And. Uh... If you if you need if you need an extra in that film, I uh, I will volunteer. I'll I'll come out and work for you. <laughs> We're going to be in Ireland. It's be, it'll be a great shoot, actually. We we opened it up when they did the original. It was done at RKO and it was very dark. It was all done at one night, and so we opened up the hills of you know Wicklow Mountains and and we're going to show Ireland and it's just a great story and it should be done. So we're going to wind up doing it. And I was kind of curious, have you uh, have you uh, had a chance to uh, get us hooked up with Ursa? I called her. Uh, she, in fact, we're talking tomorrow. Hey, I think you got. It's hard to do it directly with her. You're going to have to talk to a guy that puts those shows together for her. So I think that's okay. what she's trying to tell me. She's trying to say. She's well, trying uh, to tell me. I'm not like you. You just go on any show you want to. I said, well, Sarah. Sarah's a lovely woman. I mean, you'll love Sarah. Sarah's, Sarah's very, very talented and just a super person. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, pa- pass her my number and then uh, let her know uh, Let her know who I need to contact, and I'll take care of it. Because one thing I know about uh, Sarah is I will not – well, maybe I might uh, challenge her to an arm wrestling match, but I might come up on losing hand on it. She's a, Sarah, Sarah really is. I mean, that was – like that that was her breakout role and uh God she was gorgeous, my Lord. Jesus and she's a really talented lady. Sarah's a talented well, I mean, you know, we we had such a great cast on Superman, you know, Terrence Stamp was a brilliant actor. And when you look at all the people that were in the saying, you know, no, no, no when they were putting us up in space in the beginning, some of the most brilliant English actors in the business were had the cameos in that, you know. Trevor Howard, and there's there's several of them that were just brilliant actors in their own. I mean, it was an incredible cast. Just a, uh, and of course, Marlon Jack Brando is Marlon Brando. Yeah, Jack O'Halloran's our guest here. We've got about uh, five minutes here with the man. 
so with uh, with being in uh, Superman, you know, you get to work with uh, a lot of my heroes. You get to work with Gene Hackman. Uh, you get to work with Ned Beatty. Uh, you get to work with Margot Kidder. Uh, and, of course, uh, the late, great Christopher Reeve. And uh, now when you uh, were on the set with a lot of these guys uh, and you were doing your uh, doing your role, uh, how often did, uh, you know, I know you didn't get to do scenes with all of them, but uh, in, in between takes and stuff, you, you, you had to have a blast hanging with these guys, right? Oh, yeah. we had, I mean, listen, you know, Hackman and I had just finished a picture called uh, March of Die down in Spain. And, uh, and when they brought us up to see Richard Donner about Superman, and uh, we discussed doing the film, and I said, certainly. And, you know, and... Uh, Hackman was a is, is a great guy. Gene's a good guy, a hell of an actor. Just you know, he's a, one of the great actors in the business. And Brando, Brando knew me and knew my family from New York, and he was uh, he was dying to meet me. <laughs> he went uh, when he when I knew he was coming over. I told Mitchum. I said, Mitchum said, you got to get down and say hello to him and tell him I said hello. He's looking at to, he's looking forward to talking to you. And I said, really? So. I went down and saw him the first day he came in, and because first eleven days were they shot on him to get the money for the film, <laughs> so we did the first we did the the trial scene there in the beginning. That was the beginning of the film. We we shot that right uh, when I, when he came in, and he saw me and he ran away from the press people. We come, hey God, Jack, how you doing? Blah 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 blah. So you know, he's Marlon was an, an exceptional individual. Now, I don't know if you knew this. I don't know if you knew this or not, but uh, you know, you mentioned you're six six. Uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but uh, 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 International Movie Database has you listed as seven foot. Were you aware of that? No. no. Yeah, they have Are you. you kidding? It says it says no. Jack O'Halloran is Richard none. Keel. The third of the, Richard Keel. Yeah. Richard Keel was. But I, I I turned down six movies, and Richard did them all and made his career. Yeah, you know, I turned down uh, the bond movies. You know, do the bond movies yeah, here, big time. Yeah, here's what. Yeah, here's what it says. It says Jack O'Halloran, a third of the Krypton criminals, none is is as without thought as he is without voice. At seven foot, none is from uh, from a hawking uh, a hawking mute who easily matches Superman's strength, but has the intelligence and sometimes curiosity of a child and communicates only <laughs> with his eyes and his uh, little squeak. So. Uh, well, you got to understand, he was he was lobotomized. Lon, Lon right. originally was a major scientist, and as a punishment, because of what he was doing with with Zod, they lobotomized him. That's interesting. <laughs> that's why he was. That's why he was like that. And he was. I was learning how. So when they asked me, when I came, when I went up and talked to Donner, and he said, "Do you mind doing this, you know, character?" That's a depth of you. I said, no. I said, let me tell you something. I embraced the idea. And he said, why? I said, Jackie Gleason was a friend of mine, and he did a film called Gigo and won an Oscar for it, playing, using body language and, and, and you know, and facial expressions. I said, if I ever <coughs> got a chance to do that with a film, I would take it in a heartbeat. And when you look at Superman, you had General Zod, the vicious general. Sarah was a man-eater. Somebody had to relate to the kids. Because you got a lot of children in the audience for this picture. So I played this big brute 
of a person like a child, and it seemed to work pretty well. It, and it did, and I, I, uh, I actually, I actually fell in love with you uh, because of that. Uh, especially when my favorite, my favorite thing that you did. We only got a couple minutes left, but my favorite thing you did was when you uh, actually pulled the uh, uh, the siren off of the cop car and you handed it to General Zod. Uh, and I'm like, like man, yeah, what a nice guy. Uh, anyway, uh, Jack O'Hall. Uh, Jack O'Halloran is our guest here. Uh, we do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to uh, join us. Uh, so we do appreciate it, and we want to thank you for joining us tonight. But thank you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. Have a great evening. Take care now. All right. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we've got to take a short break, and we'll be back after uh, these messages while I get our next guest on the line. It work all right. The new Whispering yeah. Suites of Fargo, located at 1090 35th Street North at the I-29 and 12th Avenue North Interchange, is an extended stay, pet-friendly hotel with kitchenettes in every room, including a stovetop, full-size fridge, and microwave, plus a big 40-inch flat-screen TV with free Wi-Fi. You can book a room at 701-582-1600 or online at www.woodspring.com. Wood Spring Suites of Fargo, rated 4.2 by TrustScore. And, yes, Wood Spring Suites is a great hotel. And, uh, as you know, uh, a friend of mine, Scott Helmers, was the voice of that commercial. And, uh, anyway, uh, we're going to go uh, to our next guest here. And uh, we're yeah, going to have him. I called in on the call-in number, so. All here. right, so we're going to have him step out of the green room, walk down the aisle, and enter the ring. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the reason why my three sons did as well as it did. He is the reason why Hollywood is as big as they are now. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you our guest at this time. He is Barry Livingston. <laughs> hey, this is Barry Livingston, and you're listening to the Attitude Era Monday, live Monday on 89.1. Ken's FM with your host, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Hulkster. Mm-hmm. So how are you, buddy? Uh, just going with the flow, dude. I don't know. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm here. <laughs> how are you? You know, you know. I'll tell you what. All the years I watched you, and we're going to have you give us a little background, but all the years I watched you, I never, ever thought that Ernie Douglas would ever call me dude. And I, I am definitely honored now. Well, I hope you are a dude. We'll, we'll find out. Okay, uh, we have uh, we have Barry Livingston as our guest here. We're on eighty nine point one Ken's FM, and we have uh, twenty nine minutes here. If you want to give us a little background about yourself, there, uh, then we'll uh, have some fun with you. You yeah, well, yeah, my background. I mean, I'm an actor. I've been an actor for many many years. I guess you made the introduction already from my three sons. Uh, that's what I was. Uh, did when I was a child actor, uh, but again, I've been in many stuff since then. I've been War Dogs and Argo. Um, I'm actually on the new uh, Bosch Legacy on Amazon Prime, and uh, but you know, Ozzy and Harriet is another credit that goes way back when. And of course, played Ernie and My Three Sons, as I just mentioned. So that's kind of a brief overview, I guess. I could go on and on. You know, and uh, My Three Sons was on for twelve seasons, which is definitely unheard of uh, these days. Uh, what what was it like uh, being on a series that ran that long? Well, you know, it's only in retrospect you look back and you go, you know, there were great times and great people, and it was a 
you know, it, it was um, iconic, and it, you know, oddly enough, it kind of was on so long, it went uh, from a very, you know, idyllic, you know, the 1950s all the way to the 1970s. So a lot happened in between those years in the real world. Uh, and, you know, My Three Sons really, like I say, it was the pilot was done in 59, it aired in 60. Uh, you know, it was a pretty innocent time in America, and, and so, you know, we saw a lot of changes, and, and My Three Sons was kind of this little life raft that people could go to, I think, when things got a little hairy, that it uh, was, you know, a family show and nothing to rock your boat. You know, it was it was uh, all good fun and, and has lasted and stood the test of time, so that's, uh, that's a, lot of, a lot of things on there, but it, it was a good show, good experience. Uh, Barry Livingston is our guest here. We've got uh, 26 minutes. Here's what we're going to do, Barry. We're going to do a little roundtable. Uh, I'm going to have uh, my co-host ask a few questions, and I'm going to come back and ask you the tougher, hard-hitting questions. But, uh, Grady, okay. what do you got for our guest, Ernie Davis? Go ahead. Well, welcome to the show. Ernie Douglas, sorry. We're glad, to have, <laughs> we're glad to have you on here with us. I mean, I was born in 62, but I still remember watching My Three Sons growing up. I mean, I loved My Three Sons. I mean, that was such yeah. a great, yeah. great cast of people. Um, what was it like to work with Fred McMurray? I mean, you know, he was such a talented actor in so many different movies and everything and so many different, yeah. you know. Well, just, he, had, he, had he was such a, a great actor. Star for 20, 30 years before he came to My Three Sons and, you know, in, in really iconic, you know, great movies, the Double Indemnity, uh, The Egg and I, uh, The Kane Mutiny, and then all the great movies he did with Disney, The Absent Mind Professor. And so, you know, we kind of knew he was a huge major star and a big deal, and it was very unusual for a star of his magnitude to uh, do television. You know, now everybody, you know, everybody and their brother, you know, is doing television. Uh, but back in the day, uh, a star of, of Mick Murray's caliber was, uh, you know, stayed away from that. That was kind of the, you know, the minor leagues, I guess. He was a player who had always played in the majors. But uh, that said, you know, he, he uh, was the anchor to that show uh, and was a wonderful guy, uh, just really very soft-spoken, kind of a shy man, really. Uh, treated everybody with respect and kind of, uh, set the tone on the show that everybody else was expected to be, uh, you know, check your ego at the door. And uh, it was strangely worked, you know. We all got along great. And, but, again, probably Fred was the guy who set the tone. And, uh, yeah, just great to be in his presence. And I'm, I'm sure whether I knew it or well, there not, were I was so, yeah, There were so many great episodes. I mean, I remember – you know, when you first, you know, got adopted into the family and everything, and I guess one of my other favorite episodes was when Robbie and Katie had the triplets. I loved that episode when they had the triplets. <laughs> yeah, well, they were, you know, there was talk, and I think Don Grady, who played Robbie, decided he just had enough after 12 years, but they were going to continue the franchise with a, with a spinoff show of him and Katie and the triplets. So it would have been, mm-hmm. you know, another version of my three sons. Uh, it was, we he, have you know, a, was oh. that Don had left the show. Stan is pretty trip had pretty much left the show. Uh, you know, it wasn't the original idea by, by any means in '72. Oh sure, yeah, most definitely. 
Uh, Barry Livingston is our guest here on 89.1 Kent FM, and uh, uh, we're going to ask a uh, we're going to ask Matthias to ask uh, Barry a question. And uh, what do you have, Matthias? Go ahead. Well, first off, I want to welcome welcome you onto the show. It's great having you. Um, my main question, I guess, for you to uh, would be. What is one of your most interesting roles you got to play um, in TV and in film? Um, well, you know, this is going to sound cliche and kind of trite, but the one I just did, a movie I, I finished last year, uh, a, a film, and it's on. you can find it on Amazon Prime and DirecTV. It's called Notorious Nick. And uh, it was a okay. departure for me because, you know, I was always playing, you know, for the last 30 years, I'm usually the lawyer, the doctor, the teacher, the scientist, all good, you know, no complaints. But uh, but uh, this film, Notorious Nick, uh, is about a guy, a real true story about a guy who was a one-armed mixed martial arts fighter. And uh, I got to uh, play a real person, uh, his wrestling coach, a guy named Jeremy Lebuzewski. And uh, anyway, together they, uh, they you know, navigated the, the world of MMA that didn't want anything to do with, with Nick because he had one arm. But as, uh, you know, fairy tales come true, he uh, battled his way to the top, had a shot at fighting for the championship, and won. Uh, and so anyway, that's, you know, for me, that, that was a real departure and a great role and a really huge role in the movie. Um, so, you know, um, i got to say, Notorious Nick, which you can see right now if you want to look for it on uh, Amazon Prime or just Google it and you can find it. Okay, but and then um, I've, I've been in some other movies, Argo, Social Network, worked with with Clint Eastwood, uh, you know, Jersey Boys, and then way back when, you know, I worked with Jerry Lewis and the Aaron Boy and Debbie Reynolds and My Six Loves. Those were movies, you know, from sixty years ago. But nonetheless, they're mm-hmm. all they're all uh, really great, great uh, memories. And then I would, uh, I guess, I have another question. Uh, what would you, what would you say would be was more challenging for you was it was it more challenging to go do a film role or a tv role or were they about the same well the process is pretty much the same it just depends what the role is that you're offered um like i say this this project that i worked on notorious nick uh yeah a different kind of role way different than the character that i played in the social network which was the you know the harvard security chief that mark zuckerberg sort of you know, tricks up and they, anyway, they, you know, that was a very, uh, you know, different kind of professorial kind of character. Uh, but again, uh-huh. you know, I've played doctors, you know, many, many doctors on many shows. Uh, and, you know, they're all different, but, but the difference between film and television, it's usually the material is maybe a little sometimes darker, uh, not quite as, as adhering to the censorship rules that television is very careful about avoiding certain subject so you know um, it just depends what which role is off of you i i enjoy both so whatever comes to okay. as long as it's good material it's, it's always fun okay cool uh barry Williamson is a guest here uh we got uh, 20 minutes here with uh the man uh now i was just kind of curious uh were you honored when you found out or did they have to ask you permission when uh jim carrey used your name <laughs> ernie douglas uh <laughs> yeah but my friends call me chip and cable guy did they have to ask your permission well, for that? No, no, they didn't. They, no, of course, yeah, you know, they do whatever they want, mostly in Hollywood. No, I was. Uh, we had become aware of Jim Carrey 
uh, before he did Cable Guy, before he did The Mask and Ace Ventura when he exploded as a huge movie star, somebody handed me a tape one time, and they and it was Jim Carrey. Uh, you know, it was a VHS tape. That's how far back it goes. And they said, you got to see this guy because he, in his stage act, he does all the characters of My Three Sons. And he has that great elastic face and the voice that can mimic, you know, everybody. And so he did, you know, he did the whole cast and it was part of his show. So, he, you know, I, I went, wow, this guy obviously is a fan of My Three Sons. So fast forward whatever it was, eight years, nine years, and they're doing the cable guy. Uh, I was told that they were going to use a clip from My Three Sons, and then they did have to pay us a little something. I didn't really know until I was invited to the premiere of it. Um, and, yes, I was, I was shocked that when his character says, my name's Ernie Douglas, but everyone calls me Chip, I went, well, it all makes sense now. You know, uh, I thought it was very cool, but it, but it made a whole lot of sense because I already knew, like I say, 10 years previous before he was a major movie star, he had this fixation for my three sons. So, um, you know, I, I thought that was a great compliment, really. And I'm, I'm kind of curious. Now, was uh, the absent-minded professor uh, a father figure to you on the set like he was on the, on the show? Well, Fred was different than, than I think what people, you know, associate like the courtship of Eddie's father, you know, uh, Bill Bixby, who said he was very involved in the lives of the kids who were the actors in the show and other shows. Maybe they were. Fred was a movie star. Fred lived the life of a um, one of the elite of Hollywood, shall I say, uh, although he was a very down to earth guy and really kind of really was not a, a flashy dude at all. He'd much rather be fishing on his, you know, property up in Montana than going to Hollywood parties. But but that said, there was no no mingling, you know, going to barbecues at, at his house or being invited on camping trips or any of that. It was, it was strictly professional, and we understood that. That's the way he lived his life. He, you know, we were we were integral players in his professional life, certainly on My Three Sons, uh, and we were treated with respect, and, and we all got along great. But uh, there was no confusion that he was my, my surrogate dad or anything. You know, um, one dad in my life was enough, my real dad. So, so I didn't need another one. So I, you know, I, the other thing I'm kind of curious is uh, what is it like uh, being on the set with uh, a different – we're going to switch gears here – a different show that uh, I watch you in quite a bit too uh, on uh, Disney back in the day. What, what was it like being uh, with uh, Ozzy and Harriet and Ricky and David Nelson? Well, that was the the first real steady gig I had, you know. And uh, uh, they, uh, I mean, you know, you were, you, you know, you were with, uh, you were with these uh, individuals, and uh, of course, uh, unfortunately, none, none of them are no longer with us. But uh, do you have any yeah. like, uh, like one memory from uh, being on that show that uh, sticks out in your mind? Well, seeing Rick. You know, who was a major rock star at that point. Uh, preview songs that he had recorded, and then Ozzy would write some sock hop into an episode, and usually had nothing to do with the storyline of the episode. It's just Rick had a sock hop, and they would, it was just a way that they would preview, you know, let America know that he's got a new song, and, you know, it would be out, and the record would come out the day later and be a number one hit. So, my memory of seeing them film those was is, is pretty vivid, and I, you know, I was a huge fan of Ricky, uh, and working with him, you know, getting to, to act with Rick and Dave and 
the whole family. They were they were such a, a sweet group of people. And like I say, that was my first real steady gig, and uh, I had my first guest star billing, which is a major step up in any actor's life uh, on the Nelson show. So they they were very kind to me. Uh, I, you know, they were really great people. You know, and uh, you also got oh. to make uh, appearances in. Uh, you know, you get to be with Raymond Burr on Ironside, but. You know, one of my all-time favorite movies of yours is, can I tell you? Go right ahead. You played Mr. Sirota. Uh, you played the shop teacher uh, who, uh, who was tortured, uh, and they, they spilled coffee on you, and they tipped over yeah. your desk. Uh, I love that role. <laughs> yeah, High School USA, it's called. Yeah, that was a clever yeah, now, idea because you remember they, they had the child actors of that era were the students in this high school, and all of the teachers were ca- that were cast in it were, were former child actors that, you know, by now were in their 40s and 50s. It was Dwayne Hickman from Dobie Gillis and Tony Dow from Leave it the Beaver, and I think, I don't know, Jerry Mathers was in it. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was a, you know, it was a clever idea i guess and uh, but it was actually pretty good you know it came out and Kristen yeah, glover yeah. Michael, kind of came out yeah. and had Cr- a big Christman glover michael j fox todd bridges was in there todd bridges, yep david right. nelson yeah. and um david was in uh, you, of course yeah and the uh, goose from top gun was in it of course which was awesome anthony uh, was, yes i wound up uh, working with him on the er years later that's awesome. Uh, Barry Livingston is our guest here. we got about uh, 14 minutes. So now, Barry, let's uh, fast forward. Uh, what you're doing now, kind of take us through uh, the stuff that you're doing now and uh, what you want to promote uh, with us now. Well, I'm, you know, I, I've talked about it a little bit before, but not Notorious Nick is, is a really cool movie. I think it's uh, family-friendly. It's a very inspirational story about, you know, following your dreams, a guy who, who was the ultimate outsider trying to break into a world that, you know, he was just not wanted in because he, he had a one arm, that one functioning arm. So, that you know, I'm super, super proud of that movie and super proud of my work in it. But, uh, yeah, I've got uh, actually coming up in a week or so, there's going to be a little pop-up in an episode of How I Met Your Father, which is up on Hulu. I think in March 15 it airs. And, uh, and then Bosch, I have had a recurring role in the original Bosch series. I don't know if you're familiar with that on Amazon, but he's transferring into a new part of his life. He was a, you know, LAPD Gary Potter. But now he's a, a yes, Gary Potter. Yes, I'm the, the medical examiner. So anyway, there it'll be out, I guess, sometime maybe in the summer of 22 uh, Bosch Legacy. So uh, you know, thankfully I've been kind of grandfathered into the new version of Bosch. So, yeah, those two things um, I'm kind of anxious to uh, see do well, and I, hopefully I'll be back to do more of it if it does well. Now, let me ask you this. Now, you uh, when you did High School USA and, uh, you know, like David Nelson was in the show and uh, you were also on uh, Ozzy and Harriet, now, when you, I'm always curious, as actors, you guys uh, ever reminisce about, hey, remember when I was on your show or this and that, or does that not ever come up? Well, you know, all of the cast members are gone now. So, but when I did see David, uh, you know, Rick tragically died in a plane crash. Um, you know, um, I didn't see him much, but I did see David a couple times. Very sweet to me. You know, I I did write an autobiography, which you can find that on Amazon too. Just 
find anything on there. And I wrote a, it's called The Importance of Being Ernie. Not Ernest, that's another book, but The Importance of Being Ernie. So I, I was trying to accumulate some photos for the for the editor. And, uh, you know, every everybody wants a gazillion dollars now for you know, just a still photo from a TV movie you did in 1975. Uh, you know, the studios all own those things. But the only guy who said, take your pick of whatever you want, it's free, it was David, because David controlled the estate. Uh, he was so kind to me and, and, and again, gave me access to, to whatever I needed for the book. Um, and I, I, I see his son, Sam. Actually, it's Rick's son. Uh, Sam is, is a great guy. Um, you know, it's, and we have a connection just because, you know, I knew his family probably better than he did. I mean, I know Ozzy passed away a long time ago, and his dad, again, tragically died in a plane crash when he was young. So, um, yeah, we, we get together and reminisce a little bit about what I remember of his family and working with them. Very cool. Now, uh, for our fans that listen, you know that we have an assignment for you. If you go to our uh, Attitude Era Monday Live Monday page, you like that. You go to Ken's page, 89.1, like that, and you do a $10 a month donation. You get uh, qualified to win an autograph from a past guest, current guest, or future guest. Now, Barry, I'll understand if you uh, turn me down for this, but would you be willing to send us a few autographs for giveaways? Uh, you know, I mean, I got to get a number and get me get me all the send it to uh, Harlan, my my publicist, and we'll get on it. Awesome. Now, um, of all the of all the projects you've done, uh, and you've you your resume is just impressive. I, I hope uh, uh, eventually, at uh, forty five years old, that uh, I still have time to get a uh, resume as impressive as yours. But uh, what would you say uh, with 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 uh, Excluding my three sons and uh, Ozzy and Harriet, what would you say was your favorite project that you worked on? <laughs> well, I'm mean, like a broken record. Outside of Notorious Nick, which is the movie that you can find right now, uh, I would say probably The Social Network. Uh, the Social Network was, uh, you know, w- w- was a, just a major, major film when it came out and uh, working with one of the current great directors in Hollywood, uh, David Fincher, uh, was just a, an extraordinary experience. And uh, I was lucky to actually work with David in his other film, Zodiac, which is a really cool movie. Um, you know, working with Clint Eastwood. These are guys, you know, that was these talk about an icon. I mean, I, I, I wear that hat very loosely. Uh, I, I would say somebody who really lives up to that kind of a huge title is Clint Clint. And anyway, that's, you know, cast in Jersey Boys, the movie that he directed. So for me, you know, as a fan of movies and, and a fan of his work throughout the years, that was uh, really an exciting, you know, day's work, a couple of days to, to work with him. Um, that was that was very cool. Um, and, um, you know, working in Bosch, I think it's a really, you know, one of the top, top series of... Uh, of this current era, um, you know, it was very successful on on Amazon for the last seven or eight years, I think, five years. I've... Anyway, you know, those are all things that I I kind of cherish those uh, little moments. Um, and uh, you know, and of course, there's always suns that <laughs> that's always there. It'll never go away. So yeah, well, you know, you know I'm proud of all. You know, 
I'm kind of curious. You know, I I I I know you 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 don't have an ego like me, and you know, you mentioned uh, having the title icon. I I can I I can uh, understand uh, uh, trying to live up to that, and I, I'm working on doing that. But now I was just kind of curious. Now, when uh, you know, like when Nick at Night came out, and you know, you could uh, t- tune on the TV and uh, watch My Three Sons. Did did uh, did you do that a lot? Did you like? Uh, like hang out like restaurants and stuff and say, hey, could you turn on channel 87 for a little bit? And then all of a sudden no. you're up on the screen and say, oh, you never did that? To answer your question, no, that's not where my head is at. I mean, not not that I'm shying away from it, but uh, my focus has always been on the here and now and what's in front of me. Um, it's lovely to sit down and open up the scrapbook and whatever, but no, that's, that's just not my MO. I mean, I, I, Love it. If it's on, I'll look at it, but I never, you know, I I, uh, I don't want to be known as that wherever I go. Uh, again, that sounds maybe weird, but, but, but again, I'm grateful that I had that experience and I'm happy that people still love it. But in the real world, in my real world, you know, it's there. It's a credit. Great. But, but I'm not fixated on it like the media <laughs> seems to love it and wants to keep talking well, about it and Again, that's all fine with me. It sounds like there's no sour grapes at all. But but uh, but no, I mean, you know, I got kids. I'm going. I, I don't even think they knew I was on a TV show for the first ten, fifteen years of their life. Because they were going, who needs who needs to put that on your kid's head that your dad is some famous guy from twenty years before? And and I just went, I don't know. It seems that seems like a silly thing to do. To uh, it's hard enough having a dad, but having a dad who, who's famous, you know, that's that's not a good thing. So. Yeah, I, you know, it's there. I love it, but, you know, I, I, I don't promote it in in the way that, uh, you know, other people, other child actors maybe did. I don't know. Uh, Barry, let me assume our guest here. we got we got about five minutes here with the man. So I'm, I'm just going to ask one more question on that now. But now, if you ever if you ever flip into the station, uh, the TV, and then you, like, an episode of My Three Sons comes up or, like, an old episode uh-huh. of Ironside or something or, or Teen Wolf or whatever comes up, and then you see it's at the episode that you're in, do you, like, um, do you like, geez, I remember filming that scene or, yeah. wow, I, 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 I forgot about that. Uh, by, that's got to bring back some memories, right? Yeah. No, no. If it's by chance and I'm just I'm surfing through something and I stumble on something, hell yeah, I'll watch it. I'll go, oh, hell, look at that. Oh man, I remember doing that. But, but do I search out those things? No. But if it falls in my lap and I'm out somewhere, I'm at, like I say, sitting at 11 o'clock at night surfing the web or surfing TV in a, uh, a streets of San Francisco that I did pops up or Room 222 or whatever. Y- yeah, just out of you know, nostalgic curiosity. Uh, I, I'm going to sit and watch it. You know, it's it's uh, it's the story of my life. You know, I mean, that's what I was doing right then and there at that time. So it's, it's kind of interesting to watch. And uh, you know, it's really cool. You know, uh, uh, Barry, we just had uh, Jack O'Halloran on before you. Uh, he was uh, he was in the first Superman one and two. You also have a, a history with Superman. You were also in uh, you were in Lois and Clark as well. I was, yeah. I played uh, Lex Luthor's lawyer, a guy named Sheldon Bender, uh, and had a recurring role on that as well. Uh, and that was great fun. Yeah, it was, you know, it was, uh, yeah, you know, I, I really appreciate I, I think I did some actually pretty decent work on that show. So, um, again, you know, that show happens to fly by, and I'm there and I'm looking at it. I'll, I'm glued to the set. I go, wow, I'm going to watch this. 
but uh, you know, I'm not I'm not hunting it out or looking for it. If it pops up, I'm more than happy to sit and watch it. And uh, you know, so I'm guessing that uh, you know because you know, like I say, you've uh, been in all these uh, different things. Uh, uh, do you, do you uh, like uh, keep the scripts that uh, for the shows that you ran, and like you have like a big uh, bookshelf down in your man no. cave with all the scripts and stuff? You don't do that yeah. either. No, no, my mansion is not filled with memorabilia. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, and that's kind of a mistake, I think, in retrospect. I mean, I, my brother Stan, who played Chip on Mighty Sons, is, has a much better archive of stuff than I do. I don't know, just some quirk in my personality. Maybe, maybe to move forward, I had to just cut loose of all that and and not, you know, have it always hanging over my head, looking at a picture of myself from 55 years ago. Um, you know, I wish I did honestly now, but I, but no, I, I didn't. And I, and I, to this day, if I do something, yeah, it's, I, I just got enough crap that I keep around here just in, um, just in regular life, let alone all of this stuff from, from, some show that I might've done. And, uh, you know, I just, that's, that's just me, I guess. I don't know. I, I just don't value all that, uh, the way other people do. Uh, Barry Livingston's our guest here. We got about uh, two minutes here. So Barry, if our friends wanted to check you out and see it, you got a Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok. What do you got? I got uh, Facebook, and it's and it's open to the public. I don't, you know, and it's more of a person. It's not like a fan page. I mean, you know, I communicate with with personal friends and family, and post pictures of my what's going on in my life. And uh, but it's it's open and it's an open book for anyone who wants to check it out. Um, I have an Instagram. I think it's Barry Live 19, or yeah, I think that's what my my thing is. I don't do Twitter. Um, I have a Twitter account. I just don't know how to use it. So <laughs> just that's that's the one step behind. Uh, you know, a guy of my age, I'm, I'm miraculously navigating uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook. So, but uh, no, I don't do TikTok, and I'm not on Twitter. But I am on the other two platforms. You know, uh, there's one thing I, I do want to thank you uh, real quick, uh, Barry, for taking time out of your schedule to join us. And, uh, you know, I will say one thing, though, uh, interviewing you, you have humbled me. And here, here's why I say that. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned that you don't have the memorabilia, you don't keep the scripts and everything. I would do that. That that would be me if I had to, if I had a chance mm-hmm. to do all the cool stuff that you've done. But uh, you've actually humbled me. Now I realize that it's not about that. What it is is about uh, leaving a legacy of what you've done and not having to uh, throw it in people's faces when they come over to your house. Yeah, I just, I, I just, I've been in people's homes that are like that, and it's, and it's like a museum, you know, it's like some homage to themselves that they're living in some realm that their that their picture has to be hung in every doorway and every show that they've done. Not to say that I, when I see those things, I love to look at them. People show me stuff, and I go, "Wow, I'm really that's so cool." But me personally, I, I just um, I, I don't I don't want to impose any of my work on my family. So I, I you know, throughout the years, just didn't seem like the right thing to do. And 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 again, sadly, there are a lot of things that I, I you know, a couple things I kept. I kept a, a script that when I did Your, Man, Your Good Man Charlie Brown, which was a Broadway musical, and they did a Hallmark Hall of Fame. And Charles Schultz came onto the set, you know, the creator of, of Peanuts, of all the characters. And, 
And uh, Charlie Brown. And so he autographed my book and he drew, and I played Linus, and he drew a picture of Linus in it for me, and he said, you know, from Sparky, which is his nickname. So that, you know, that I went, well, I'm not, I'm not going to throw that in the trash. You know, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, weird little things like that I, I made sure I hung on to, but, but you know, hanging on to, a, a, like I say, some script that I did 68 years ago, yeah, I'm just not that interested in it. Well, I'll tell you what, Barry, thank you for joining us tonight. We appreciate it. You're awesome, and uh, we thank you so much. All right. Well, you guys have a good one. All right. Thanks for having me on. Talk to you later. Take care. Take care, bud. Bye. All right. Barry take Livingston, uh, we have uh, we have a little uh, business we need to take care of here real quick, and then we'll get our, to our next guest in one second. You're listening to 89.1 Ken's FM, KNNZ-FM, Holly Fargo-Moorhead. Independent public radio for Fargo-Moorhead and the Valley. Also on the web at www.kensfm.com. As you know, 89.1 Ken's FM is funded through donations by our listeners and sponsorships from area businesses. If your business would like to sponsor Ken's FM and reach thousands of young adults and college students every day, contact us at 218-585-3067 or at info at kensfm.com. Any one of us can help you get your sponsorship started. We have many packages available to fit your budget. So contact us today at 218-585-3067 or at info at kensfm.com. And thanks for listening to 89.1 Ken's FM. All right, and here we go. Running out of the green room and stepping out the green uh, stepping out the gridiron and running into the studio, ladies and gentlemen, he is the greatest running back in the history of the Cincinnati Bengals. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Mr. Tony Davis. Hey, this is Tony Davis. You're listening to Attitude Era Monday, live Monday, on 89.1 Ken's FM, with your host, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Holkster. Hey, Tony, how are you, sir? Thank you for joining us. I'm well. How are you? Good. Uh, and uh, here's what we're going to do. Yeah, we're, gonna, we're, we're we got you. We got you loud and clear. Uh, we have uh, Tony Davis as our guest here, and uh, we're gonna have some, we're gonna have a lot of fun here with Tony. We got about um, well, we got about uh, thirty five here minutes with you because we have a lot of uh, football talk that we want to talk to you about. But uh, before we do that, if you could give us a little background about yourself, then we'll uh, have fun with the interview here. Well, I uh, played collegiately at the University of Nebraska. Played seventy three to uh, seventy five was Coach Osborne's first thousand yard rusher. When I left the school, University of Nebraska, I was the leading rusher rusher in Nebraska history. And I think I don't even I don't even think today I'm top twenty. <laughs> but such is progress. I got drafted by in the fourth round by the Cincinnati Bengals. Played uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals for three years, got traded to Tampa, played Tampa for three years, seventy nine, eighty, eighty one. When 83 came along, I went um, got a call from the USFL, Boston Breakers. I played one year with the Boston Breakers. From there, I went to, um, came back to University of Nebraska, finished my degree. Finished my degree, moved out to Colorado in 1989, and I've been here ever since. 
And uh, Tony Davis, our guest here on 89.1 Kansas FM. Now, uh, you were drafted uh, in the fourth round, uh, the 106th pick overall by the Cincinnati Bengals, of course. And uh, now I'm kind of curious. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a few questions, and then uh, we'll do a roundtable, and then we'll come back to me. I'll ask you the more tougher football questions. But now uh, the draft back then is a lot different than it is nowadays. But when you're uh, when you enter the draft, um, now, are you are you at the uh, at the draft location? Are you at 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 home waiting by the phone? Kind of take us through what it was like on draft day for you. Yeah, what you see in today's draft, they've made a big production out of it. Did not exist in 1976. Um, they, not, not even the first. I don't even think the first rounders got got television coverage as well. But um, I'm I get out of class. And I know when the draft is. I kind of, from talking with scouts and stuff, kind of figure out I'll be a, somewhere around a fourth round draft pick. And I come out of class. I walked into my house. I was married at the time, and I walked in. And I'm by the way, I'm still married <laughs> to the same woman for 48 years. So important so tidbit there. <laughs> yeah, but but um, I walk into my house. The phone rings. I walk into my house. I pick it up. It's the Denver Broncos. They say. Um, we have the 15th or 16th, I forget what its number was, 15th pick in the in the round four, and we're going to draft you if you're there. What do you think about coming to Denver? And I said, of course, I would love to do that. Of course, you, I don't care who calls, you're going to tell them, yeah, I want to go there. So uh, I waited about 15 minutes, phone, uh, the, the phone rings to pick it up, and they said, uh, this is Iggy was in there. She was the secretary for Cincinnati. She, says, she said, uh, we're the Cincinnati Bengals. We've just drafted you. I said, oh, good. So we conversed a little bit. They said, they're going to have somebody call me. I hang up. I look at my wife. I said, Cincinnati. She says, where's that at? <laughs> so, and, that, that, and there was no television, no nothing. That's how it went. <laughs> now, did you uh, – you didn't play with Collingsworth, did you? No. I'm older than him. Oh, see, I was going to say. Chris, uh, Chris, 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 I don't know when Chris was drafted. I'm thinking Chris got drafted in 79 or 80. Yeah, so I, well, so you played against him. But uh, I was going to say that's why uh, he's the cocky guy that he is, because he, if he would have played with you, he wouldn't be so cocky on the air. Uh, Tony Davis, our <laughs> guest here. we got about uh, we got about 33 minutes. Hey, uh, now, Granny – is a is a big uh, football fan, and uh, she uh, uh, she loves a certain team uh, that uh, she cheers for. She's gonna talk to you about that when she asks the question. But uh, you know, uh, we'll have her talk to you. Raiders. Not my favorite team, big swing, and you know that. <laughs> Uh, uh, Granny, uh, this is Granny Hawkson. Uh, Tony, this is Granny Hawkson. What do you got for our guest there, Tony Davis? Go ahead, Granny. Well, Tony, welcome to our show. It's a pleasure and honor to have you, sir, on our show. I am a Kansas you, City Chiefs fan, okay? I am a Chiefs. I am a loyal, diehard Kansas City Chiefs fan all the way. I don't like the Raiders. I don't like the Cowboys. I am a diehard Kansas City Chiefs fan. Granny? Can I say something? Sure. I grew up in southeast corner of Nebraska. I grew up 18 miles from Kansas. I used to go down and watch um, 
Buck Buchanan and Kenny Kenny Dawson, and I used to watch all these old Chiefs players back in the day when I was a kid. So I'm a Chiefs, and I'm still a Chiefs fan. That's good. That's good because I'm originally I'm originally from you know it's funny that you mentioned that you were raised in Nebraska. I was born and raised in Kansas, and I lived in a little town in western Kansas called St. Francis for 17 or 18 years. We were 35 miles west of Goodland, and we were like 10 miles from the Colorado line and 18 miles or. 13 miles from the Nebraska line. You're in wheat country. Yep, 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 I was. So, um, you know, it sounds like who was your favorite team that you actually played for when you were playing football? Who did, who did you enjoy playing for the most? I know this is going to sound fake, but honestly, both teams I have, such affection for both of these teams I played for, and it's mostly because of, of your teammates and, uh, and the coaches you had. You know, they did that Raiders thing on you. When John Gruden coached the Raiders, what most people don't know is his father was my coach in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Really? Was my running backs coach, yeah. Jim Gruden. So, so, so you, so you were the one that inspired uh, little uh, little Gruden to be the coach in the NFL. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he, he's wound up pretty tight. <laughs> um, well, you know, uh, you know, I, I suppose it's because of all those autographs that you used to give him that uh, kind of humbled him, I guess. Well, you know what he he. Uh, what what most people see of him on television and in interviews is is not really what he's really like. He, he, and I, I can attest to that. Show. And I, I can attest to that. Show. He was, yeah, he made a personal appearance here at the Fargo Dome for the uh, NDSU Bison, and uh, of course he uh, he liked to break up our quarterback Carson Wentz. Uh, we'll talk about that sure. in a little bit, but. Uh, we have, uh, we have Tony Davis our guest here. We got about thirty minutes here with Tony. Now uh, I'm going to bring on uh, our other co-host Matthias. Now he is a football player, and uh, he's the reason why the Invaders' defense is, uh, does as well as it does. But uh, go ahead, Matthias. What do you have for our guest, the legendary Tony Davis? Well, first off, I want to correct you, Icon. I am on the offensive line, not the defensive line. But I definitely would play defense if I had the opportunity. Um, my main, my one of my main questions. First, I want to welcome you onto the show. It's awesome having a fellow football player here on the show. As much as I say it's always fun to have a fellow wrestler in here, um, but my main question to you is: You played for the Cincinnati Bengals. You played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, but how did it feel this year watching your Cincinnati Bengals go all the way to the Super Bowl after so long of not being there? And I'm sorry they beat your team, Granny, but. Like, how did it feel watching your team go all the way to the big game? Unfortunately, they did not win, but knowing that you got to play for them and now get to see them rise to the top, how did that feel? I was um, I was very proud. You know, there's a lot of reasons that I say that. Um, the number one reason is I'm a former Bengal. And I have a, there's a community of former Bengals that we – Communicate a lot and stay together and stay tight. And these are guys that, you know, they talk about you go to war with people, this kind of 
That's kind of jargon, which, quite frankly, I don't ever agree with. War is war. Football is football. Sometimes football, you know, is mistaken for things it shouldn't be. But that being said, Joe Burrow's father and I played together in Nebraska, Jimmy Burrow. Jimmy Burrow was a a cornerback, defensive back out of Mississippi. He played with me at the University of Nebraska. Um, Okay. Joe's, Joe's mother is from Johnson County, Nebraska, where I'm from. That's where my, wow. my hometown is. Her, her, her grandparents used to babysit me <laughs> as a kid. Wow, that's fine. Okay, there's a lot, there's just a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot of connection there with the Bengals, and uh, of course I, I stay in touch. In fact, I talked to Mike Brown four or five days before the game. You know, my the the the, the, the toughest. Nastiest, hardest player I ever saw in my entire life came out of Fargo, or a small town around there. Who was a, who was a, uh, a uh, Cincinnati Bingo packet. He was captain. Jim. Uh, Steve Nelson. Uh, linebacker. No, no, Jim. Can't stand it. What can't think of his name? His base, I bet he hit me too many times in the head. I can't remember him. <laughs> Let's see. I, I, I should know because I, I'm a Bison guy. I should know. Uh, we have right. Jim LeClaire. Jim LeClaire. Thank you. Frenchie. You bet. Yep. Frenchie. Yep. Frenchie. Frenchie. Jim LeClaire. Yep. Uh, Tony uh, he, Davis, our guest here. That was a bad man. <laughs> uh, Tony Davis, our guest here. we got uh, 27 minutes. Uh, now, I'm just kind of curious. Now, you uh, – you had uh, uh, you were in Tampa Bay for three years, and you were in Cincinnati for three years. Now, I believe in Cincinnati you only had one coach, Bill Johnson, correct? And your quarterback was Ken Anderson. Well, when you yeah, the, the last year I was there, Tiger Tiger resigned, and uh, um, a little small coach, another coach took over uh, that year. But they brought um, a new coach next year. He just. He, Anyway, I can't remember his name either. <laughs> so, <laughs> and and when you were at Tampa Bay, you, you know, you were coach John McKay. Now, uh, I'm yeah. just kind of curious uh, if you have any good John McKay stories, because one of my favorite John McKay lines is he says, uh, John, so how do you feel about uh, the execution of your offense? And he's like, hey, I'd be all for it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What, uh, I, what, 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 what is it like having these guys as uh, your coach and your mentor? Here's here's a, here's a story about coach. I get after the second my second season there in 1980. I get waived the last cut after camp, so I go to uh, Green Bay first to work out. Washington Redskins, um, New York Giants, and Buffalo Bills. Four days in a row I go to four different teams. Last one's Buffalo. I'm in Buffalo. I uh, I. Uh, um, I get I get uh, Chuck Knox offers me. He said, oh, "We're, we're wave, wave Terry Miller at four thirty. We want to sign you." I said, "Fine." I called home. My wife says, "Have you signed yet?" I said, "No." She said, "Call Coach McKay." Well, I knew it happened. The, the the backs that they kept they actually cut me the second and the last game so I can get so I have a better chance of getting picked up. I think there was six preseason games in. I got cut after the fifth. Sixth the sixth game. Doug Williams gets worked over pretty good, and, 
I knew that uh, that's why coach wanted me back to protect. That's, that's how I made myself valuable. I could pick up blitzes and I could catch passes. So um, he, I called him up. He says, have you signed yet? And I said, no. He says, come back here and I'll give you this much more money and blah, 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 blah. I said, okay. So I'm almost a Buffalo Bill. I go back to Tampa. I walk in there to uh, Coach's uh, um, room, and he says, uh, Coach's office, and he says, I said, appreciate this. He says, had to have you back here. I had to protect my quarterback. I said, that's fine. I said, uh, I suppose after uh, after the season, we'll, we can talk again. He says, we can. So we played that year. Seven, this, this is 1980. We go to the playoffs again that year. And uh, at the end of the, the next February, the draft, they draft James Wilder, Fox 2. Now, this is going into my third year with Tampa Bay. So I get a call coming down to the office, and I think I'm getting cut. So I walk in, he says, Tony, we drafted James Wilder. I said, Coach, he's going to be a great player for you. He's going to really help us a lot. And he says, I suppose that means I'm gone. He says, nope. He says, I'm putting him in your, I'm putting him in your room for camp. I want him to know the entire office before the first game. So I said, I can do that. And then you'll probably let me go. He says, nope, I'll keep you for one more year. So I got kind of a free year out of it. So anyway, James, James made, I made James let me use his car after practices every day so I could, so we could go down to the bar. And, and that was just payment to me. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, Tony Davis, our guest here, and uh, we're on 89.1 Kent FM, and uh, we do have assignment for you. If you go to uh, our Facebook page, uh, Attitude Era, Monday Live, Monday like that, go to 89.1 Kent's page like that, uh, and you do a $10 a month donation, we'll get you an autograph from a uh, current guest, a past guest, or a future guest. Uh, now, uh, Tony, I'll understand if you turn me down for this, but would you be willing to send us a few autographs for giveaways? No problem. I'd be glad to. Awesome, and I'll send you. I'll send you the address uh, to do that. Send the address. Uh, Be glad to do that. There, there's there's yeah, one date that, that I want. You, you, you. Go ahead. I, I, I was just going to tell you something real quick. You got you got WWE fans there, correct? We do, yes, but they're they're more yeah. they're more icon fans of anything. <laughs> okay, all right. Go ahead. Anyway, I just want to know that. Well, well, I heard that your station well, was in. Uh, well, anyway, uh, uh, so my, Tony, there's one um, there's one date I want to ask you about, and uh, this should uh, this should uh, be a great memory for you. Uh, January first, 1974. Are you familiar with that date? I am. Uh, it's it was the the Cotton Bowl, and uh, they referred to it as the Anthony Davis game. Can you kind of take us back? Uh, to that game and uh, uh, a, one specific memory or story from the Anthony Davis game that they've that they've dubbed that. Texas um, had a running back named Merle Campbell at that time. He's pretty good. Um, no, 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 he didn't. No, that wasn't Earl. It was yeah, he had that Roosevelt Leaks. Anyway, we we we'd go down to play Texas in the Cotton Bowl. And uh, this, the thing that I think bothered me as much as anything was they had these damn these damn cowbells. These Texas fans did. They kept ringing these damn cowbells. It drove me nuts. But it was a very tough game. 
we 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 wanted these guys pretty bad, and uh, um, Dave Dave Hum, who's our starting quarterback at that time, because he got hurt. And Steve Runny, backup backup quarterback, came in, had a decent game. I think I rushed for over 100 yards and scored a touchdown. But uh, it was a tough game against a great traditionally great program at the time. Big win for us. And uh, yeah, you. Uh... Uh, you were the MVP of that game, uh, and uh, from, from your team, Nebraska, and uh, Wade Johnston was the uh, Texas uh, MVP. Uh, they, they don't really, they don't do that anymore. That was a uh, that was a rare thing back in the day to have an MVP from uh, both teams, right? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if if they still practice that or not. There's sometimes they did that though. Yeah. They sort of, you know, it was make everybody feel good. And uh, do you? Uh, and uh, also, uh, you were also you also played in the. Uh, you guys also won the Sugar Bowl uh, in '74. Uh, is there uh, between the two games? What would you say uh, was your favorite game, or are they kind of equal, fifty-fifty? Well, Florida is because of how we won that game. We had to come from behind. And- it was a it was a very tough game. It was the last game played in, in Old Tulane Stadium. It was supposed to be the first one in the Superdome. It wasn't done though, so we played Florida and, and Florida. Um, a couple of things I remember about that is before the game, you out there were warming up this and that, and that's when they used to take like the backfield and take over, take a picture of the backfield, and then you know they, each individual unit. Got their little pictures taken. I remember we were standing there getting ready to have our pictures taken, and Coach Osborne was there. And um, some some of the uh, Florida defensive backs were mouthing off to him. And, and uh, I, I remembered one of them in particular. I thought if I get a shot, I'm going to nail him. Well, we run an option, and I get an option pitch to me. I come around the corner, and he's, uh, he's standing there. I think, oh, God, thank you, Lord. I had a chance I rolled him up and threw the ball in his face. But they, remember, they, remember they, they talked a lot of crap. But uh, we ended up coming back and winning that game. And um, as my son would like to say, and my father became MVP of two of the four major bowl games in the same calendar year. But that's kind right. Of cool. And uh, what's interesting about that game is, uh, you know, you can actually uh, you can actually find it on YouTube. Uh, the first quarter was seven nothing Florida. Then after the second quarter, it was ten nothing Florida. Then um, uh, third third quarter, uh, everybody decided nobody decided to score anything. Uh, and then uh, going into the fourth quarter, you're down ten nothing, and then you uh, uh, then you score thirteen unanswered points. Uh, and you won thirteen to ten, and uh, uh, you guys were both eight and three uh, at that game. And man, that just had to been that just had to been a great atmosphere, uh, being MVP for for those two games. Now I'm just kind of curious. I, I just asked Barry Livingston this question. Uh, he doesn't have a big man cave, but you must though, with your MVP trophies and all your helmets and uniforms and stuff. <laughs> well. Um, I'm kind of like Barry, actually. I have a I have a small room, a television room upstairs on, in my loft, and I got a couple of pictures 
Um, my son also played at the University of Nebraska. My son and I are the uh, the only father-son combination in the history of the University of Nebraska to rush for over 100 yards in a game. The only father-son combination. Kind of cool, huh? Well, yeah. Now, I was kind of curious. Now, when your son uh, played for Nebraska, uh, did they uh, – did uh, like the uh, – I know what you want to say. Uh, the team boosters or something say, "Hey, you got to have your son come play for us." Did that happen? <laughs> no, didn't have to. He was a. He was a. We come from a long line lineage of Husker being Huskers. Uh, it goes back a lot of years, and so he grew up Nebraska football guy. And so when he had the opportunity to go there, there was. He could play anywhere in the country, though, but he chose Nebraska. And uh, we have uh, Tony Davis, our guest here. We got about uh, 15 minutes here with Tony. Now, uh, let's let's kind of go back to uh, when you went from uh, Cincinnati to Tampa Bay. Now, you know, you mentioned that you, you know you got cut during the preseason, and then you signed on with uh, uh, Tampa Bay the next season. When you Take us through what it's like when you find out that uh, you're, you're getting cut. Do they do they call you? Do they leave a, a note in your locker room saying, "Hey, I got traded from Cincinnati to Tampa, not cut." While I was in Tampa, oh, okay, I got I'm sorry. Cut. And then, 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 then they brought me back. So when uh, when you find out that you're getting traded, do they uh, do they like just call you or do they meet you? They <laughs> call you in the coach's office. Take yeah. us through that. What happens? That, 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 that's a funny story. It's, it's the off-season. I just put, I live in a town called Lebanon, Ohio. Um, quick story. How much time we got? Oh, we, we got time. Go ahead. Okay, I'll tell you a quick story. I'm playing with the Cincinnati Bengals. Rookie year, I will end up buying a house in Lebanon, Ohio. Town, it's kind of a famous town, about 30 miles north of Cincinnati. So the freeway's right there. You can jump I could be at the practice facility in 25 minutes. So I, I, love, I love golf. And so I went down to the club, joined the club. I go down there about third day down there, and the guy says, can you play tomorrow? I said, yeah. He says, why? And he says, this guy wants to play with you. I said, who? He says, just, just show up. I said, okay. So I come down, go down, and I check into the pro, pro shop. And I said, who am I playing with? He said, I got down the putting green. He has backing. I didn't recognize him. I walked out there, walked about three steps on. The guy turns around. It's Neil Armstrong, the first man to walk on the moon. Wow. I'm like stunned. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, like, I'm like stunned. Uh, we became friends, and <clears throat> what a wonderful guy he was. He's about half crazy, though. But anyway, that's that story. Now, um, when I got traded to Tampa, I just finished that. I was putting a deck on the back of my house in, in, in Lebanon, and um, uh, I get a phone call. I walk in, pick up. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I just got down. I just opened a beer and she gave me to sit on the lawn chair. Phone rings. I go answer the phone. This is prior to cell phones. I get the phone. They say, Iggy <laughs> says, Iggy's the secretary of the Cincinnati Bengals. Says to me. Tony, we trade you to Tampa. They're called Phil Kruger. His number is blah, 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 blah. Thank you. Chunk, hung up. That was it. Well, do you, do you remember who they uh, they traded for you? No, it was a four, fourth-round draft pick. Wow. 
they <laughs> um, now I'm not just saying this because uh, because you're on the show with us, but uh, you you were worth more than a fourth round draft pick to uh, draft pick to us. Uh, you know they they should got a second round, a third round, um, and uh, maybe a couple boxes of Wheaties too with your picture on it. But uh, just a fourth well, round, that's terrible. I, I yeah. I don't know about all that. I I, I think that um, I wasn't I wasn't a star player. You know, I happened to be MVP of the Cincinnati Bengals in '77. I had a great year. I played a lot. Never started, but I played a lot of special teams and uh, had a good year. And uh, was named MVP of the team. But but I wasn't I wasn't um, you know an all star. Really wasn't. I, you know, I understood my role. My role was protect quarterbacks, only you know, pick up blitzes, uh, run tough, block up, you know, do, do what you have to do to make yourself valuable. That's how I made myself valuable in, in the, the NFL. And uh, you know, you were MVP of the team in '77 for the Cincinnati Bengals, and uh, you were uh, inducted in the Nebraska Sports Hall of Fame in 1989. And uh, now, what? Uh, Let's kind of let's kind of fast forward. What uh, what do you keep busy with these days? Uh, are you coaching? Uh, you one, have one, like more a... one more thing. Go ahead. Yeah, one more thing. I, uh, I I was just this past January first was inducted into the Sugar Bowl Hall of Fame. Oh, that's awesome! That was, uh, cool. that was a great. That that was that was a nice birthday present for you because uh, your birthday is January twenty first and. Uh, you and I, what's, what's cool is you and I both celebrate birthdays in January. Mine's on the 27th, and yours on the 21st. And the sad thing is, uh, in the winter, being a winter baby, uh, no one ever wants to come out and celebrate your birthday because it's always cold outside where we're at. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're in but, North Dakota but, here but, by the time but, January. But, Go ahead. The is not exactly balmy in January. No, no, and by the Definitely way, not. by the way, as a matter of fact, by by the time my birthday rolls around, we're usually uh, waist deep in snow, and uh, we're still trying to dig out. But uh, so, kind of take us through, Tony. What you're what you're uh, doing uh, nowadays? Uh, are you uh, you got like a little league team that you're coaching? Do you have like uh, football camps you put on? Uh, uh, the Tony da- the little Davises. What what do you got going on nowadays? My son puts on a football camp to help him with. They get about a thousand kids for that. Mostly, uh, I think they have ten to you know ten year olds up to eighteen. So it's a big camp. <clears throat> Gets Nebraska guys to come out and a couple of Heisman Trophy guys to come out here to Colorado. But that's the extent of my coach. I coached actually for fifteen years. In, in high school, and uh, really enjoyed it. But uh, I, I was just a, you know, I wasn't a teacher in school. I just was a coach. I've, I've been in the oil and gas industry up your, I was up your way a lot. Um, I was in the oil and gas industry for 20 years, and uh, sold non-destructive testing services to refineries, and pipelines, and midstreams and. Been, I, I lived in North Dakota. I lived in, mostly Minot. I have a son that lives in Minot. Really? Yes. That's awesome. So, so he he tells you all all about the 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 fun winters that we have up here. Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah, he knows. Um, my first time, <laughs> my first time in my first time in North Dakota, we got a flight of Minot. When we fly, and they say the temperature is 23 below, and that this is before they you could you could pull your plane up to the terminal. You had to walk across the the, the walkway to, to get into the terminal. 23 below zero. So I step out of the plane. And I'm thinking, I'm in Nebraska. I'm in kind of cold. This ain't bad. By the time I got to the bottom of the of the, of the uh, stairs, I'm thinking, "Holy crap! This is a whole different level of cold." It was it was so it was almost brookie and half cold. It was unbelievable. <laughs> uh, Tony Davis, our guest here. We have about eight minutes, uh, so we can do this. Uh, uh, so we get time for this, Tony. If our fans want to check you out and uh, see what you're doing, you got a Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok. What do you got? Oh, I got I got Facebook, but um, I don't do much Twitter. I got a Twitter account too, but I don't. I'm I'm not as active. I, I use Facebook to keep in touch with my people I grew up with. <laughs> Yeah, that's about it. But you can listen. If people want to, they can, they can request friendships. So we can talk. We can talk sports. I like talking sports with people. It's it's uh, it's a passion of mine and a passion of others. And and uh, I've told myself I uh, I never I'm never going to get too big to to uh, take care of fans who like like who like uh, have that same passion as I had. Obviously, I grew up the youngest of six kids in small town Nebraska and uh, we were raised by a community, two thousand people. We were raised by by a community uh, and uh and, you know, from fifty three to seventy three when I graduated from high school, uh, seventy one when I graduated from high school. You know, it, it was it was a wonderful time to be raised in small towns. And uh, what I'm what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to I'm going to send you a uh, friend's request as well. You know, one thing I do have to ask you, and it's kind of an ego thing, and uh, I know we know that you don't have an ego, but I kind of do. Uh, now uh, I made a, a a cool little collector's card for you. What did you think of that? That uh, the little football card I made for you. Oh, that was cool. That was you. I made that. Yes. That was yeah. That was that was very cool. Thank you. Yes, and uh, like I say, you know, you are I signed, a. Uh, I signed. I signed. I signed that. Send it back to you, didn't I? Uh, not yet. I haven't got it back yet. No. You haven't. I have not. No. no. That long time. Uh, huh. so you well, okay. One, well. Man. All right. Well, what I'll do then is I'll uh, I'll send you the address. I don't know. Uh, and like I say, this is a uh, this is a you know we're not going to get into. Uh, mail in my apartment or anything but uh there 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 are issues <laughs> um well, you, and I'm, well, I'm just you got, you, got, you got my you got my cell number you just text me all that information okay all right and uh see now hey guys uh matthias and granny see see how cool i am he gave me his phone number most people wouldn't even do that yeah. wow hey matthias is <laughs> matthias the rascal I am. He is, yes. Well, what do you, you wrestle, Matthias? I'm a, I'm a heel. I'm a pro wrestler um, all over North Dakota. I'm, I'm trying to get up into other states and stuff like that as soon as uh, more companies request me, but I'm building a career up here in North Dakota right now. So when I, so when I was in Tampa, I used to work at this club where all the, 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 the WWE guys came down for the winter, okay? 
Yeah. I worked out at the same club. I worked out with a lot of them. And I would, you know, worked out with Hogan and these guys. And uh make a long story short, it was fast forward about 15 or 20 years. I'm getting in I'm in the gas business in Corpus Christi, Texas. The night before, they had had an event. So I'm okay. the first one on the plane. From the first one on the plane, I sit down in my seat. The second person to walk in is Hulk Hogan. He stops. Really? He looks down the, he looks down the aisle. I looked up at him. I said, so how are you feeling today? He says, not very good, brother. Just walked on back. <laughs> sit down sit down the last seat. I thought that was funnier than hell. I, I, I still laugh about that. Not very good today, brother. Yeah, that, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, um, I, unf- I have not really been able to interact with many of the uh, – the big stars. The only person I really got to interact with was a girl named Victoria. She wrestled for the WWE for quite a few years. Um, but I also got to interact with Paul Heyman um, at LaGuardia Airport, and that was interesting because he stayed in character, so he was a jerk the entire time. But other than that, yeah, I, I've been in the pro wrestling industry for yeah, I know it, it was awesome, and I took a picture of him. He gave me a big skunk eye, and it was just it was awesome because I'm a heel, he's a heel, so it's it's awesome. But yeah, I've been in the business for. Uh, about I've been up in the business for a little over a decade and or almost yeah about yeah about ten years and then I've been wrestling for about five so just building a career and trying to get to the big leagues I suppose. Well, hey, don't forget, Matthias. You also because of your inspiration, you got uh, the redhead to go back to AEW because of your inspiration. I sure did, and because of our current guest here, I played football for the offensive line for the. Uh, NEFL 2019 NEFL champion Fargo Invaders. How about that? Yeah, it was it was pretty league? cool. Like, um, go ahead. That's an indoor league. No, no, it's we, a semi-pro league. Yeah, we we uh, we play uh, we actually play in the summertime. Uh, okay. Uh, so yeah, um, we're we're, uh, we're we're not wimps by any means. I mean, we love to play in the wintertime, but. Uh, uh, some of the places that we go, traveling in the winter might be kind of difficult. <laughs> especially when you're, yeah, especially when you're going to like Wisconsin and all those places, it can be kind of difficult in the January snow and the blizzards. Uh, well, Tony Davis, those, I guess you're. Those, those, those go football ahead, players you hear that when the weather gets real bad, this is football weather, are full of crap. Football weather, <laughs> football weather is 60, 60 degrees in sunshine. That's that's my that's perfect. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh, Tony Davis, I guess here we got a, we got about uh, ninety seconds here with Tony. You know, I'll tell you what, Tony. I do appreciate uh, you taking time out of your schedule. I hope you'll accept my uh, friends' request on Facebook. And you are just a uh, you're just a awesome individual. I'm not saying that because uh, you're on the show here with us tonight, but uh, you are just an awesome uh, uh, gentleman. And I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. Uh, and uh, also, I want to thank you for being you because you're a great guy, and uh, you know we appreciate you taking time to join us tonight. And you're awesome. I'm getting a little emotional here. I shouldn't, but I appreciate it, Tony. Thank you, fellas. You know, this is what it's about with me. I've been married to the same woman for 48 years. I have four children and eight grandchildren. That's what it's about. It's not about what I did 50 years ago. Although I'll talk about it with anybody. Because it's, it's, people find it interesting. I find it, uh, you know, by myself, I find it interesting. Sometimes it can be even inspirational to others. You know, I, I used, to speak to, used to do a lot of public speaking, which I would tell kids, don't let anybody define your dreams. 
you define your dreams. And, uh, you know, I'm a, you know, a small kid, came from a small town, and ended up playing the NFL, and ended up having some success. I'm very, very happy. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, Tony, thank you for being with us. Uh, I appreciate it. I'll be in contact with you. Uh, I promise I won't call you at 2 in the morning anymore. I promise you on that. But I thank you so much, Tony. You are awesome. Thank you, sir. See you guys. Nice talking to you. You guys be well. Take care, Tony. Thank Thank you. you. All right, Tony, Dave. Hey, now, that was another successful show, guys. I would agree. And uh, next week it's going to be even bigger. Uh, and, uh, of course, WrestleMania is, uh, is looming uh, for us. But until next week, we want you all to uh, love each other, be safe, be kind to each other. Listen to us again next week, same time, same channel, here on 89.1 Ken's FM. And we want to thank the big guy upstairs. That would be Ken Bartz for letting us come on the air and entertain you every Monday night. And we will continue bringing the stuff. Uh, until next week, Granny, we love you. Matthias, you gotta we stop. Hate you. you gotta stop cutting promos on me. <laughs> but uh, until next week, you all be safe, and we love you. Be back here next week. You think you know me? Fargo Moorhead. Want to hear new music? Lots of new music? Maybe even new music by an artist you've never heard before? If the answer to any of those questions is even a faint yeah, then join me Fridays after Rock and Roll. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.